Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 13th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHeads.com. Hope everybody had a great summer. Um, we uh, took a summer break, but we are back and training camps are starting. And conveniently, we already had this podcast scheduled, but Mitch Marner... <laughs> Thank you so much for signing two hours before we recorded today. Uh, Mitch Marner <laughs> signs with the Maple Leafs after all the drama in Toronto that Twitter has been flooded with for months. And um, we will lead, that will be our lead topic. Um, we are also going to talk about uh, Evgeny Malkin and the Rob Rossi um, pretty detailed Expose? and um, expose. I thought, for the most part, really well done story. I think he's the only guy yep. that could have gotten the quotes and um, the insight from Malkin for that. So, uh, I have I have some thoughts on that. You have some thoughts on that. Uh, Jake Gardner, not a Leaf. Uh, he's a Hurricane. We'll talk about that, and we will also talk about the latest Penguin signing. Marcus Pedersen finally signed his deal. He went very short-term, very low money. Uh, we'll talk about the pros and cons of that, along with training camp. But uh, we will lead off with the biggest news in hockey. Mitch Marner, six years, $10.893 million, And I think the 9-3 might be a gesture to Dougie Gilmore, from what I read. Oh, good God. <laughs> um, Thank so, God it's over, though. Yeah, so... Um, I did not follow blow for blow and all the drama the last few months because why? <laughs> why would I do that to myself? <laughs> um, I think both of us are pro player. Uh, get what you can. Yep. I, I do think Marner pushed my limits of like me rooting for player to get money because I think like how the whole process was – um, with his dad and everything, it just, uh, it was a bit much. Uh, but at the same time, you do have to recognize he, he's an RFA looking to be paid his, uh, what should be his market rate. And the RFA status has historically pushed those salaries down. So you kind of have to go over the top to get what you think you're worth. So in that respect, like, any frustrations I had, like watching it unfold, I, I kind of had to take a step back and be like, you know what? Fuck it. He 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 should get paid. And, um, you know, the tactics necessary to make that happen have to be over the top in it, how the NHL contracts are structured. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan in, in life in general of the, you know, it's a means to an end. Like, you do whatever you have to to get from point A to point B. Contract negotiations, though, in a sporting environment, for my liking, go over the top. Do the extreme. Ask for the unaskable because it's all a negotiating tactic to get you as close to the amount of money that you want that the team is willing to fork out for you. Um, it, it was interesting seeing, just following it through Twitter, it's interesting looking at the fan reaction because it came down to the whole, he wanted to get paid as much as Matthews and it looked like 
the way fans were falling through on it was literally the side of which part of the Canadian-US border the player and the fan was on. It mm -hmm. was just so, so bizarre and so strange that that was sort of how they were looking at it. It's like, you need both these guys signed for you guys to be good. Yes, you've got Tavares as well, but you need you, you, you need this guy on your on your roster. It doesn't matter where the fuck they're from. Just make sure that his cap hit doesn't stop you from being able to sign other players for depth. I, I mean, that's the, the big thing, is you've you got to allow some room for the club to acquire other pieces to give you a 20-man roster. Going out and asking for the same amount as Matthews is, is going to make that difficult. Came close. Sort of. Yeah. It, you know, and it's... They, it, it was one of those deals that you, I personally felt like it was always going to get done. It was just curious on the years and the um, the money. And here's here's the thing. Like, it's a lot of money. I don't think it's a horrible contract. I don't think it's a great contract for the team. I don't think that. Um, but I do think that Marner is setting the market for future RFAs. And I think he kind of knew that a little bit at least and um, kept pushing, pushing, pushing and training camp came and uh, the Leafs have him for probably the best six years of his career, to be honest. And shade under 11 mil, that looks like a lot. It is a lot. In fact, it is the seventh highest AAV in the league. Um, that ma that matters a little bit less because um, I like to look at cap hit percentage. Yeah. And um, shame on me, I, I I I don't have that percentage off the top of my head right now. That was thirteen point three seven. What what is it? Thirteen point three seven. So that is significant, but. What are you gonna do? And yeah. I mean, you gotta pay him. Like that, that's the, that's the reality. He he's probably a nine point five ish player, but what are you gonna squabble over that? And and, well, and here's quite the, clearly yes. <laughs> no, I mean in hindsight, like the the oh, yeah. the fans that the and let me say, like you said, Toronto fans uh, spicy, and I get it. Um. I do get it. It was probably an incredibly frustrating thing to follow if you are a Toronto fan. So, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we've both, I think, complimented Kyle Dubas on the majority of his sample as GM. And one thing I will say that it goes in kind of the negative column is he, he hasn't done a great job getting team value from... Matthews, Marner, Nylander, uh, Tavares is a UFA, so you got to do what you got to do to to lure that. You in. mean he has he, he has it, Nate McKinnon did? No, and <laughs> like there's criticism to be had there, um, but here's here's why Dubis is um, he. I tend to give him compliments. Is yeah, he he may have overpaid, and these contracts aren't the best they could be for Toronto for these upper echelon players 
but I don't see too many replacement level guys making three to four mil on Toronto's roster. The only one that's that I where he breaks at, even. That's yeah, where he breaks so even. That end. What what I see is Cody Cece, and yes, shitty AAV, not a good. Not not a good expenditure expenditure of cap space, but they shedded Zaitsev for years. Yeah, to do that, and and that's a Lou Lamarillo signing that he had to undo, and he did it while only, you know, sacrificing the the one year of CC. Uh, this will tie into the conversation later with Gardner, but. Um, Listen, pay, pay your, pay your best, and 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 don't be stupid with the middle tier. That is always going tier. to yep. be, um. That is the proper way forward. Um, I've seen people online since the contract signing saying, uh, an overpay is an overpay, and I I do agree that. That is very true. However, I think when we're talking about the NHL, find me a team that either doesn't overpay the stars or very few of them overpay the stars. Um, and find me a team that doesn't overpay like the replacement level shit. And I don't think it exists in this world of the NHL right now. I think we can all agree don't overpay, but... <laughs> I, I I think it's better to keep your studs, pay for future performance in your early 20s like the Leafs are doing, and just be smart with the middle to low tier like the uh, Andreas Johansson and uh, Kasperi Kapanen's of the world. Like, that that's a good approach. Is it perfect? Yeah, I, no, I, but it's you, better you than most. To... You're more likely to get good value out of overpaying top end talent than you are overpaying, you know, mid tier to low tier talent and praying they play up to the money you've paid them. It's it's just the reality of it. Like a lot of hockey, a lot of the bottom six forwards and then your your, your bottom three forwards are all interchangeable, replaceable parts. So you should be trying to pay for them, like particularly if your third line is costing you over five million bucks. I think you're overpaying for that position. Third line or like fourth for that line? whole line, fourth line. Oh, okay. You like you're overpaying for that for that fourth line, and your third line, if you start getting above seven or eight, depending on what you're expecting of the output of that line, you're really starting to struggle. I think ten ish is ten, eleven, twelve, third line, depending on. Uh, what the top six looks like is acceptable. Um, for example, Pittsburgh is paying uh, way Pinstead too much. Horn, Hornquist um, nine, and then Dominic Simone will kind of help out with that average. Yeah, assuming it's, that's you know, the line. Yeah, it, it's I, I. You're right about the overpay by Dubis, but it's the top end players and they're the players that you can see having career years and a career year from a top end talent it could be amazing whereas a career year from a, a mid-tier player is is going to 
do what? Are they going to win you two more extra games? Like, no, no, very rare. And yeah, when, and and that's the thing. When, when I look at Dominic Lecision's stuff on the Athletic, even Mitch Marner is only worth maybe three wins per year. So no, those depth guys are definitely not doing that. Yeah. So if you're going to overpay, like Dubas has done, overpay at this end. <clears throat> and and be a hard ass everywhere else on the roster, and 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 that's generally I, I think a good a good way to go about it. He's got flexibility central after this year anyway with a lot of his roster. Sorta. Of. What they what they do with some of their decisions will will, will be interesting. Um, but he's going to have a lot of UFA slots to to fill, particularly yeah, well, on the back two, end. Yeah, two of them are Barry and Muzzin, which you know that's that's significant. They're tough because they're older and they're going to want term and they're at the wrong end of the the cycle of where all these players are for all their good youth so i'll be curious to see how they they work that one out just quickly with with you saying mana sort of setting the bar what's this do for patrick mana and winnipeg uh not comparable i don't think i think line is um he's a weird case uh where he's had like yeah, he's a weird case. He he yeah. has shown a great ability to score goals, which is kind of the whole point of the sport. But last year, he was cold for like huge section of the year yeah. and then just totally back end filled filled the net with goals. Um his impact outside of that is also kind of minimal. So, I think he's on a tier down from the uh, Miko Rantanen kind of player who also yeah. is currently unsigned. Uh, I think Mitch Marner's better than him. I think Sebastian Ajo is probably better than him. Yeah. So, yeah, line A I could see traded. That's just, I, it's just amazing how that all sort of piles out when you think about it, isn't it? And, and quite frankly, it, it probably wouldn't be a horrible idea if they traded line A for defensive help? It feels like they've got enough offense to get by without him. So like he's yeah. He's a super skilled player. Uh the consistency is a concern. They may want to go like a two year, fourteen million, fifteen million dollar contract. I think that might be in the range of what you see. He get he gets a done. he gets an okay amount of money, but it's very short. Yeah, kind of a prove it kind of thing. Yeah, um, which would make sense because he's been inconsistent. That's the that's his problem. Yeah, he's a fascinating uh, study. Just because the the goals are great, but when he's not scoring, it's. I'm not comparing There's him nothing. to Thomas Vanek, but it reminds me of it, <laughs> for you. Um, <laughs> things might not be going all that great on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm not comparing style or any of that. It's just, you know. Yeah. That kind of thing. So. That's, it's always funny when you, you, Vanek comes up. It's like, nah, now I'm not getting that far. I'm not going that far. It's okay. No, but you get these players that are immensely offensively talented, and 
probably, of course, a net gain. Uh, and when I say Vanek, I mean his early years, not fucking yeah. playing Detroit and Columbus power play fourth line bullshit. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about his saber years. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. But um, it'll be nice. Um, <laughs> I'm wrong. I said it would be nice to see the Marner stuff die down, but it's certainly not going to. There's going to be many opinions <laughs> about it for <laughs> quite a while. So, yeah, maybe I shouldn't uh, think that it's going to settle down. Anything else on Marner? No, I think that's pretty much it. I'm kind of glad that it's all over, though, because, what is it, three weeks and the season starts. So it's like, oh, thank God. Helps them from a cap perspective. If that bled into the year past December 1, I know they were going to have some cap problems. Um, the Leafs should be in okay shape. I think they said they're 13 and a half mil over the cap right now, something like that. But they have uh, long-term injured reserve stuff. And the closer to the cap ceiling you get when you uh, put these guys on long-term injured reserve, the more space you get throughout the year. So It's such a loophole. Yeah, it's 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 why Bottero played all those games uh, for our Penguins fans that listen. Back, in, back when Bottero was under Rutherford, he would always push that cap up and do those weird ECHL moves and whatnot to um, – Gain the most space possible, manipulating the numbers. And well, he's doing it in Buffalo again. Yeah, they're they're up there, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, I really like watching Marner play. I really like the combo that he and Tavares are. So, as far as from an entertainment-only standpoint, uh pretty good with how things sh- shaked out so um so penguins uh Evgeny Malkin Rob Rossi did a huge story on him for the uh, athletic and it was a really personally I I thought it was a really well done piece about um Malkin the person, Malkin the player. Uh, it, it was a classic Rossi piece in the sense it got into quite a, a murky speculation area. And certain, he's good. At, he's very good at doing that. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> he knows what he's doing, and I think that's where the criticism uh, comes in. Um, a lot of people, the biggest thing they are taking from that article, and I, you know, it's tough to fault is the rift between Malkin and Kessel as far as uh, not a rift between them as um, friends or whatnot, but on ice that Malkin did not want to play with him again. And that Malkin said it was inferred trade me. If you don't trade him, then trade me. And I think that's where the article kind of, got on a runaway train as far as in the Twitterverse. Cause I thought Rob pretty clearly wrote team and league sources. It wasn't a Malkin yeah. quote. Nope. You, you people have read into that what they want to read into it because they want to have a crack. That's, Rob, Rob no, frames it in a way. I get it. 
Like, he does that. But nowhere were, were there Malkin quotes. Nope. And I don't think it was quite... <laughs> I don't think Malkin was demanding a trade, to be quite honest. No. The Kessel... The, the whole the whole Kessel disaster is literally Kessel and the coach didn't get along. It's pretty simple. And didn't agree philosophically on how the game should be played, and that was affecting the way Kessel was playing with, with Malkin, and Malkin couldn't get on the ice at the end of games because if he was on the ice with Kessel, there is a pretty good chance there's going to be a turnover because both of them got careless. So And, and Malkin were... did get careless last year. Yes, a little bit. they both did, absolutely. And... So the, there's fault in both parks on this one. It, it's just, yeah. So the one thing I'll say... Is I don't doubt that Malkin got frustrated with Phil, the the player on the ice, because that happens. Yep. Like Phil's not the easiest guy to play with, and if Malkin felt like he was struggling, Phil is definitely not the guy to to make up for. He can compliment you in certain ways, but not others. Well. Usually the thing with Malkin is when he's struggling, he does become a turnover machine because of where he is on the ice, how often the puck is on his stick, and the things that he attempts to do. Kessel is not going to help you bail out of that. No, he's not. It's, he's not. That's, he's going to double down. Yeah, he's going to go, well, the I trust that Malkin's... Is. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Um so, yeah, you've got two players out there that basically go balls and all to the floor to try and score. Something goes wrong. Neither of them are going to be around to bail each other out. So, of course, it's going to be a problem if one of them's off or both of them are off. And, you know, everybody said Gino struggled for, for a lot of the year and um, nobody seems to want to come to the conclusion that playing with Jack Johnson is some of those problems. So you, you do get there and, and go... They get rid of Kessel. If Malcolm struggles again and he has the same defensive pairing, he's fucked either way. Well, the only thing I'll touch on with the the, the Johnson stuff is uh, Michael Blake McCurdy's um, comparison chart stuff. Um, without Johnson, they were both above average defensively. So... <laughs> You know, they're not known for defense, obviously, and you would even maybe think they were slightly below average, but they were actually slightly above average without him, defensively. So what a poison pill Jack Johnson is. Yep. Um, it's nuts. And Phil's not a great defensive player. He's not a good defensive player. He, he, you know, you, you just hope he maybe is average. And you know what? He was without that guy, so... Yep. I don't know what you want. Um, my biggest problem with, well, there are a few problems. We'll <laughs> De- deployment, you just referenced, that was probably the biggest problem. Uh, but, but another frustrating problem is how Malkin seemed to be pigeonholed between Sullivan and Kessel as an intermediary. Yeah, that's bullshit management, that. And, like, there are a lot of things going on here. Like, a lot of things can be true at the same time. Mel can can be frustrated playing with Kessel. 
But he can also like be really frustrated at the coach for putting him in between both of them and being like fed up with it, and and still, you know, be able to function with Kessel on the team. Like all of these things can happen if if the ship is run proper, and we're we're human. We're not binary robots. Yeah, and. <laughs> You know, Mike Sullivan, two-time Stanley Cup coach, he, he gets a lot of kudos, and that those are significant accomplishments. But at the same time, like, that's your job, dude. Your your job is to communicate with the players. And the fact that Malkin got to a point where where it was wearing on him being in the middle... Um, I, I put that on the coach and, and I'm not even saying as a coach, you shouldn't ask your players to help you, but it seems like this went past that. It seems like it was just both of them consistently communicating through Malkin and that sucks for him. Well, the thing on top of that is it's still not his English is still not his you know, native tongue. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and that was expressed in the article too. Um, I don't think he should be self-conscious about that. I never have a problem understanding what he's saying. No, I know that. But when you're in the middle of two people that are basically feuding and not talking to each other and you're responsible for holding that together, how much fun would that be? No, it's not fun, and I understand. I, I just, it that, that part of it made me sad that Gino thought his... English isn't good enough, and and the only purpose of language is to for the uh, people to know what the other person is saying. I don't think anybody. It, I mean, I only see him in interviews, but I never feel like I don't know what he's saying. Oh, I agree. Yeah, and um, I I just feel bad he felt that way. Still should, like you said, should never have been put in that situation. Um, another part of the article that, um, not even the article, but just in general, uh, with Jim Rutherford, uh, you know, I think it's been reported that he he doesn't have direct he doesn't directly talk to Malkin over the summer, and um, you know who was out in trade rumors earlier this summer for like the thousandth time and i think it's bullshit that every summer if genny malkin of all people has to be out in these trade rumors and the penguins brass doesn't go out of their way to just snuff it out right away and jim rutherford can't call him up directly and have direct communication to assure this player and that things are okay like, yeah. that's pathetic. Ah, he's in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I don't give a shit. Because nah, guess nuts. what? Who's a fucking big reason why he is? Yeah, that 71 guy. So, <laughs> I'm not saying Rutherford might not have gotten in with just the Carolina Cup, but Malkin and Crosby, like, the two extra ones, yeah, of course he's getting in. Yeah. And you don't... How, how do you not communicate directly? 
Like, because it's the, it's the way this particular management group... Yeah, that's the way this management team works. They don't communicate directly. They do it through the media and try to get the fans on or offside of whatever player they want to happen. I mean, they did that with Kessel going out the door. It's literally like they treated. Well, that's the thing. You you have team sources saying, yeah, Malkin or Kessel. Of course, Penguin fans are going to be like, well, yeah, get Kessel out of here. We want Gino. They just they always. It's PR shit that, you know, me and you see it. I think some people do, but the majority of the casual fan is just they don't care. But and and that come and they keep doing it because of that. Like if if the oh, the yeah. casual fans okay. if the casual fan actually started to react a particular way, they'd change their behavior. So it, it's one of those things where you know, it has to be done from the ground up. If if Penguins fans are sick of seeing their their players treated this way, well, they have to have a voice and say to management through the media or some other way, you guys are going to stop this garbage. Like, don't treat our players like this. Don't treat us like idiots. Just talk to us straight and, yeah, you know, look so how well that of, works for the Pirates fans. <laughs> yeah, well, so much of sports coverage is for the lowest common denominator. Correct. And... You know, it works, so that's what you're going to get from the team. However, that's not what we are going to discuss because, <laughs> like, come on. there, There's a higher level discussion to be had here. And the Penguins have been, they have a history of talking shit about the players that go out the door. Um and, and it's not always, like, impact players, but, like, Simone Dupre and Derek Pouliot out the door, they can't help themselves, but, like, you know, kick them while they're down on the way out. I don't... I, I, I really don't... I don't understand that aspect of it, because don't you kind of want to have a good reputation to have players want to come and play with you? They already have it. They win, and they got Crosby, Malkin, and Letang. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have yeah. to bend over backwards, so they don't. Yeah, that's... There's also just being a deliberate dick. Surely you'd want to not be that as well? And, you know, team sources with the Melk and Kessel stuff, there's no doubt they're uh, a little bit upset about him probably turning down that Minnesota deal. Just a touch. And... Not that Galchenyuk won't have a good year, but uh, it's not as good as having um, Zucker, in my opinion. Yeah. Zucker had some a little bit of control there with years on the contract. And, you know, the Galchenyuk thing, if he has a really great year he's going to price himself out so it's a rental yeah um you have to really think about how how effective would kessel be for two years is galchenyuk's quote-unquote good year going to be even be better than a, a a kessel penguins year 
And the other flip side of that is if Galchenyuk doesn't price himself out of Pittsburgh, what the hell does that mean for his production? Yeah. Yeah. They're on a hauling so, to nothing on that contract. Absolutely. They're between a rock and a hard place. Obviously, they want, like, if he scored 40 goals, like, nobody's going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they fucking traded for Galchenyuk. But, but it does cause, like, a next-year problem. Yeah. Because now he's asking for, what, seven? Seven and a half? Per- probably, and they don't have the space because they've got Hornquist. Like, Amongst others, but yes. Yes. Um, like, if you look at a direct comparison, they're going to be very different players, but fundamentally trying to fill the net, same function. But, but that's going to so, be like a five-year, $7 million yeah. extravaganza deal. And it's going to come on the tail end of the, the prime years for him. Not that he won't have um, good years left, but... I mean, they, they are literally just looking at it to the end of the crosby Malcolm prime line right so what's your time yeah but what's your cutoff for that in regards to crosby letang and 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 malcolm can carry the team like they're like 33 is malcolm he's the oldest of the three is 36 where you get there and go i can't expect him to drive it anymore like where's that cutoff it could be as soon as next year who knows yeah it's like where's the joe thornton cliff where Thornton just kept playing and playing and playing on one-year contracts, but he kept going further and further down the lineup and providing great value as he went down the lineup, but isn't the guy that's, that's running the team. So at some point, this team's going to have to change its its decision-making to find somebody else to replace those guys. But they don't have any high-end, mid-tier guys no, anymore. No, that's my point. Like So... Before the podcast, like you were saying, you know, Malcolm's talking about, you know, wanting to have a three-year extension, all those kinds of things. If I was Gino and they keep having this trade garbage come up every off-season, year after year, fuck them. I'd go. Because they're not treating him with the respect that I think he deserves. No, and they haven't. For, for almost the entire time he's been there. Yeah, his best line was it took Crosby to be out. The Kunitz and, and line. And how many times is it always, oh, you've got to get a winger for Sid. Oh, it doesn't work with Sid. Malcolm gets them and it works. Like, it's never been about... And he's loved not being in the spotlight, right? He's loved being second fiddle in that aspect. But they've never really tried to gear everything up for Gino to... Oh, why don't we try and help Gino out? Like, the Kessel thing wasn't for Malcolm. Not, not Supposed... at all. Yeah. None of it was original. None of whatever Malcolm ends up with and works with Gino is ever about let's get someone for Gino. Never. He just oh. magically makes it work because he's Gino. Oh nine cup, Max Talbot on his left wing. Yeah. Yeah, Max and Peter Sok- game seven, but he's he's he's. And was it Sa- was it Sakura or Fedotenko that was on his line with him as well? Fedotenko. Fed. I love Fedotenko. I think Sakura was hurt that second run. Oh, second second Red Wings. Series. Yes. Yep, yep. Scott Wilson was his regular fucking left winger against the Sharks. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's, it's, that's all. It's, come on. You, you just and, look at it if you're Gino, and it's like, you're going to come to the tail end of your career. Or maybe Pittsburgh, that was the Predators uh, year, sorry. I, don't, I can't yeah. remember. Scott Wilson was on his left wing for one of them Stanley Cup runs. You, you look at Gino and you go, I'm going to be 30... 
what is it, maybe 37 at the start of his next extension, why would you not go, fuck it, I'll take two million a year for three years and go and play somewhere where I might win another one? Because this team... I, I think it would be back home before it would be... Yeah, somewhere else. Fair enough. I don't know. I I, I hope that he he plays in Pittsburgh as I'd, long as possible. But Correct. Uh, that's exactly what I want. I just... I don't know. I, I just struggle with it. That's all. I'll never be mad at him for whatever decision he makes. Uh, no, correct. So... Um, yeah. I think that covers the Malkin talk, so. So, on to Jake Gardner. I forgot he was in Carolina. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, not too within the last week. And, boy, that's a hell of a defense grouping. Are they going to move Fork because of it? Is it actually going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, well, well, Anaheim of all teams would be the one to... I find that amusing. Yeah, so Gardner at four mil, I mean, I don't think that the four mil was on the table for most teams. I think he had a desire to play in Carolina. I think that helps, but man, it is painful to look at Erica Branson's contract and uh, think what could have been. Well, not just good Branson's. You look at Jack Johnson's as well. Uh, the comparables, are not just like obviously Penguins' perspective, but you look at it also just around the league, and you go, "Great value for a guy that's 29 can really move the puck." Um, He's you know, really has good. His, yeah, has his flaws, the, but every freaking no, defender those, does. Those game seven moments sucked, but it doesn't. I wasn't even the thinking about those. I wasn't yeah, thinking but, about those moments. But those moments are painting the the picture for a lot of people. Yes. And and the, yeah. it wasn't a those weren't good games and they came at the wrong time. But his his body of work is large enough. It's really good. He's a really good yeah. player. The only um issue being I guess potential uh back problems. He should be able to play less minutes. The workload should be light. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of reason. There's a lot of ways they could go about managing. Oh, that. Carolina has so many options to deploy them however they want. <laughs> I know it's terrifying. And if they can get rid of Falk and Corey Schneider, who does the tracking, who of course is a, a big uh, Hurricanes guy. When I when I see the Hurricanes uh, are playing. Most of his negative tweets seem to be <laughs> geared towards Falk, which on the surface seems surprising. But if there's a guy who would know, it's the guy who tracks all the fucking games. So I tend to. <laughs> you want to fall that way? <laughs> yeah, I tend to believe and take stock in what Corey's saying. So yeah, the Falk is is the guy that seems to pop up a lot. Source of frustration. 
So when you're talking about Andre Cache of Anaheim for him, holy cow. Now you're talking about a player the last two years that has like a 2.3 points per 60 at even strength. Exactly the kind of player the Carolina Hurricanes need. Like, they are awesome with the expected goal stuff. They have been. They they are looking for finishers and more offensively gifted players. And slowly but surely, you know, they get Niederreiter. And now you get Cache uh, from Anaheim. The, uh, the speculation, at least. I mean, the speculation is Anaheim will trade it if Falk signs an extension. The, the hiccup is Falk does not have Anaheim it, it's on his no trade list for whatever so the, the other thing with this this team is that if you end up with Jordan Stall as your third line center they've got that output that they've been looking for and I think that's where he's going to slot this year which is perfect it's exactly where he needs to be with the skills that he has and what he can provide uh, I this they're going to be really good fun to watch even if they they lose or underperform in the standings um, it's just it's going to be nice to, to watch them play. Uh, they got Ryan Dezingle, who's only coming in at 3.38. That's that's not a bad gamble. It's it's impressive. I like what they've done. I think Svechnikov, you know, he'll should improve a little bit. Eric Hall. Yeah, they look. In. They look but, like they've got. You know how you were talking about overpay, underpay before with Toronto. Yeah. Try and give me a contract in amongst those that they've got that you feel like they've overpaid, silly like. And I can't really find one. Maybe Martinook might be the one at two mil, but you know, they look like they've done a really good job here. And um, let's see. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, well, it makes sort of sense. Eric Tulski's not a dumbass. Yeah. So. No, he's not. <laughs> but it's <laughs> one. It's that. one thing to it, it's one thing to not have a dumbass, but it's it's the other thing to be able to apply what the non-dumbass is saying. Maybe stall. <laughs> yeah, he's overpaid. If you're going to have him as your third line, isn't he? That's and, a legacy contract. And he's not by for a sure that uh, that's a legacy contract from a general manager we know well about. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, I think very highly of Stahl. I think his quality a teammate for many years in Carolina has been complete shit. Um, I don't think he's a great offensive player. He's a borderline, maybe even good offensive player. But when he's had decent wingers, like he can not only shut down the best of the best. Defensively, he he can chip in a little bit, but yeah. um, I mean, if that's the worst, maybe Reimer. Yeah, it's a two-year deal for me as well, though. As you sort of sit there with it, and it would be devastating if if their back end, if their goaltenders are, are what do them in, because the everything from the the goal crease out looks pretty good. Mrazek was pretty good last year, so we'll see. But uh, the Gardner thing, man, gives them options, 
if they stay put, I mean, the forwards better not be bitching. They're going to get the puck with speed (laughs) and take the tape. If they they can't score on the rush, it's the forwards' fault. (laughs) Not even score on the rush. If they can't gain the zone without dumping it in, like, come on now. (laughs) Basically, if anybody dumps the puck in, they sit next game. (laughs) Right? So, yeah, Carolina doing doing good things coming off Eastern Conference Finals. Um they look like they will be I don't want to say a lock for the playoffs, but pretty close. Oh, they feel lockish to me and that's even in a really tough division. That so, that Metro division's all over the place this year. Yeah. So Hurricanes keep keeping keeping the good thing going so um last on our plate i think today uh penguins we have marcus Pedersen. that was like the the thing that you knew was gonna go down you just didn't know exactly when and exactly how and it turns out he's gonna be making under a million for one year and i think that was the right play I, I think had to that's laugh what I would have done went, anyways. I had to laugh how you said he went for a short deal. I'm like, he can't go for any shorter deal. Yeah. I mean, they wanted, I think Rutherford did want to lock him up maybe like with one of them Olimata contracts. Yeah. Something in that neighborhood. I'm glad they didn't. And here's why. They only have so many more kicks at this can. If they sign him to a three and a half to four mil or whatever the plan was, they were going to be over the cap. You're going to have to trade a Brian Rust, a Nick Bugstad, whatever. You know, they made their choices yeah. with Tanev, Johnson, Goodbranson. That's the cap situation they're in. As it stands right now, they have good forward depth. Some of the mid tier, there's some questions. But there's enough of them to where some of them should work out. Keeping Rust around and having Pedersen still there on that one-year very cheap deal under a mill keeps the depth going. And I think it's worth the risk of, well, if Pedersen has a great year, then he's going to make a lot. Well, okay, deal with it then. Yeah. It buys you more time to also shed some of that dog shit. Like, yeah. maybe you get more time to find a, a taker for Johnson or Good Branson. Find the money that way. I want them to re-sign Schultz. But it's dependent on wow. probably his first couple of months this year, really. Because I don't think they're going to get rid of him at the deadline. No, that would make no sense. It's best yeah. for them to let him walk than yeah. to trade him. Yeah. It, at but, least in my opinion. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, they've got some interesting decisions for the year with Pittsburgh. This won't be a boring year. might be very frustrating as a fan. But the, the Pedersen thing does give them the flexibility that they did seem like they were trying to lock themselves out of. You know, and from where I'm looking at it, I think Pedersen has the potential to be what Mata wasn't. Really? 
Well, his the comparing his numbers defensive. are really good. He 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 was good with everyone, and he dragged the corpse of Good Branson up. Uh, the early returns <laughs> are good. That's a good point. The early returns are good, and you get to see it another year for really cheap. If the returns are good again, you feel a lot more comfortable giving them that money. If the returns aren't good, well, then you got a little bit more leverage. Yeah, that's a good point. And if he's decent, which he very well could be, and you play him with Schultz, now you got two pairings. Was, yeah, that, thinking... that bottom pairing is going to be bad. But you know yeah. what? Uh, the other ones are going to be on the ice for way more time than the the bottom one. And a lot of teams have to navigate a bad bottom pairing. It doesn't cost $7 million, but... I don't give a fuck if it costs $7 million. If they're playing 12 minutes a night and that's all they're on the ice for, I couldn't care. You, you got to get the that's most. That's how I was Schultz. thinking of it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think Pedersen that path seems is like the option. Or yeah. or Dumoulin, Schultz, and Pedersen with Latang. But I, I do think the top four should be those four. Yeah, a, a combination thereof. And I think Pedersen might have been playing with Schultz at camp today. Not that camp lines mean shit, but. I, what I what I did see yesterday was Jack Johnson and Chris Letang in the same in the same um, group, and somebody I don't think they got, played together in no, the scrimmage. But. but somebody got there and said, "If they're going to do this, I I just can't. I just, it's not even day one. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's, not, it's not even day one, and I just can't. Oh, I can't remember Fuck what it was. Fuck this season. Was, <laughs> day one. And... We haven't even got to game one. <laughs> there there are intriguing things about camp. Um, it's a tricky thing training camp uh the sample sizes are small people overreact to veterans that have like a hot or cold stretch in camp we have larger samples to draw from there's no need to you know overreact i think the interesting players are like the prospects maybe not the prospects that are on the verge of a regular nhl gig but you get to see them against NHL competition, and, and this is the only time a year you can. I'm thinking of a Kalen Addison, who has offensive numbers that are tracking very positive and is showing the things that I want to see in a defensive prospect. Uh, people can talk about defensive zone all they want. I, I want to see the guy push the play. Yeah. Uh, he could really be a game changer, like – if the Penguins get lucky, and I'm not saying they will, he takes that next step this year. It really uh, plays into the Schultz conversation. Yes, it gives them flexibility as a right-handed there defenseman well. who can yeah. uh, handle the puck quite well. So, yeah. no, I don't think he's going to be a regular on the Penguins this year. But he's he. I want to see him. Not as like a younger WHL guy. He's a few years now since being drafted. Uh, how how do you how you look with the uh, NHL guys at camp? Uh, yeah. Sam Poulin and Nate Laguerre, the the recent first round picks. I don't expect them to make a dent at all. Like that's so unrealistic. That's not what my expectation would be. Uh, but the skating, while not maybe poor. 
not a strength. How can they, how do they look skating next to even a Brian Rust that can skate quite well and, and shut down time and space? Uh, can they create space from the Brian Rusts of the league uh, at this juncture? Those are things that I think are interesting uh, in camp right now. Uh, Dominic Cahoon. Cahoon? Cahoon? I'm going to have to figure that one out. Cahoon. And is it? I have no idea. I'm just making it up as I go now. <laughs> he started with uh, Crosby today with Gensel. Uh, and he, he has a track uh, sample size with Taves. I think he's one of those tweener middle six forwards that they need to hit on. And I, I, I like the gamble they made moving Mata. Do I like that he was ultimately the return for Mata? No, because I think I've been talking for three years about how they could have got ahead of the, the perceived value with Mata. But yeah, they didn't. And he's the guy and I I think giving him a um, high quality a teammate and seeing what he can do, that's that's an interesting thing to see in camp. You are right about camp. Camp should be about shooting for the stars. It should be trying to throw everybody into positions that they can succeed and try to see what that level of success is. So anybody that's got offensive talent, throw them with offensive talent, see what happens. You might catch lightning in a bottle. Like, you know, Gensel wasn't earmarked to be what Gensel is. But Yeah, I I, I liked his um he had some pretty pretty good AHL tracking numbers. You know what I'm saying though. No, I know. I yeah, he was what, a third round pick. I get yeah. it. Yep. And and that's uh, that's sort of more what I mean. It's like you know, how do you how do you go about setting people up to succeed to, to have them jump because Pittsburgh aren't getting high enough draft picks to have rookies sort of come out of camp and go, all right, you know, what happened with Stahl sort of thing? No one was expecting him to make the team, but he did sort of thing. Well, no, I think this was the first year Rutherford actually used the first-round pick Yeah, in so, quite some time. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where it's a part of training camp that for many years, being a Pittsburgh fan, you just don't see because the talent's not there to, to happen. And that um, does does make things interesting for a change, comparative. So to, to your point about uh, shooting for the stars, I totally agree. And I don't need to see Brian Rust with Sidney Crosby. I know what the, I know what the fuck that looks like. Come on now. Um, I, I don't I don't even need to see Brandon Tanev with Evgeny Malkin like. He's 28. He is what he is. Yeah. The contract sucks. He's probably going to be a decent enough bottom six guy. He might sniff a, a few games on the Malkin wing and, you know, do a Scott Wilson thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't you need don't to have see to that find, right now. You don't have to find that out now. You can find that out in game 25 to 30 of the season. Exactly. It, the way that a lot of the prospect stuff works, like Nate Laguerre and Sam Poulin, not that they're going to be pushing for a roster spot, but I think it would be cool to see them play with Crosby and or Malkin because you're not going to get that sample when the real season hits. 
Correct. Just to get one, you give them a little taste of, holy shit, I'm playing with these guys, pretty cool. That's some motivation for them when they go back down. And you, you learn a little bit about them. Where are they? Where are they in their development? Um, Jordan Bellarive, he's one of the most interesting players for me. Um, I think he has, like a lot of people, rightfully so, I think us included, wanted um, Teddy Bluger to have that fourth-line center spot and Matt Cullen to not be there. I think Bellarive has a chance to be a much better Bluger to be quite honest. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> his, 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 yes, ab- absolutely. His junior numbers and his offenses tracking the way that you want to see it. He's only 20 and he's over a point per game. And um, I want to see what he can do against some of these other NHL guys right now. Put him on the wing of one of these uh better players you know what i mean we need to find out i don't need to see jared mccann i know what he is for the most part so i think it's about learning about these other players more so at least in at least how i would do it well it's it's funny because in like five or six years pittsburgh are going to be swooped all the way back around to the whole You've got to start again, sort of thing. And you need to get those draft picks. And, and some of that's interesting and exciting because it's new. But, man, I, I, part of me is also like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> the, the coverage of and clinging to some of these guys because of out of necessity you need them to be yeah. good rather than the natural progression of. And these players haven't even been drafted yet. So I'm talking about unknown commodities, but. It, the conversation does uh, get a little bit more desperate with prospects when you know you're trying to pick yourself back up after over a decade of just excellence. Yeah, and that's so. going to be the hard part for for me as a fan. You, you sit there and it's like, oh boy, I remember what it was like between the Lemieux and Crosby era, and you know you hope it doesn't turn that brutal, but there's nothing to say that it won't. Yeah, but, you know, the nice thing about getting older is you get more mature and, and your um, the way you follow things uh, evolves. And I will still, I will always have a part of me. That, it will never leave. Like, Are you suggesting in, like you might not follow it quite as closely as you currently do? Is that what the suggestion is here, Ryan? No, not, not, not follow closely. Um my my enjoyment in the sport will not be as tied as my adolescent, teenage, maybe even college years to one team. Yeah, I got that. As now. I think I have a more holistic approach. I think that makes uh, sense now that I hear you. I am not going to bail and I'm not going to stop paying attention to the Penguins. Um, but I think the maturity of getting older is, yep, that's their situation. I'm following it. They're there. Uh, but also, what's what's Toronto up to these <laughs> days? What's, you know, name the up-and-coming team when the Crosby-Malkin era is finally over. 
I, I just want to watch cool players. I was going to say, that, I, and that'll tide yeah. me over, and that'll be fine. I think I'm leaning towards that as well, wanting to watch quality hockey as much as wanting to watch the team that you know I've got an emotional attachment to win. I think that's where, as I've gotten older, that's changed as well. I enjoy watching playoff hockey probably more now than I ever have when Pittsburgh aren't in because I'm not emotionally wrapped up in wanting Pittsburgh to win that game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, um, I don't watch a ton of basketball, but I don't have an NBA team. So I just, you know, watch what I think looks good. A lot of times that's the Warriors right now. Yeah. Um, but, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. It's easy to do. And the, the NHL isn't quite like the NBA where you have star-driven teams. Like, it's not a star-driven sport. There's 20 guys. It's not, like, seven-ish. Yeah. But, you know, that's the approach that I'll have with it, at least. And um, I know that time period's coming. Penguins fans, you, we, we've done this before. Oh three, oh four. What the fuck was that all about? Yeah, we we've done this. We we know how to do it. Um, I don't think Crosby and Malkin are waiting for us on the other side of it this time. You don't imagine but, uh, something like that happen again. Oh my god, I would love it for obvious reasons, but also other obvious reasons. Just yeah, They're crying and well, Edmonton tell you that oh three, oh four Penguins team, they were great. I won so much money off of them. Really? Betting against them. Oh, right. great. Just guaranteed loss. Oh, my God. It funded so much of my college entertainment. (laughs) It was perfect. Uh, Hockey is the one sport I just could not gamble with because of... No, neither could I. And I've never really been big in gambling at all. But, man, it... The... I worked in the pro shop at the rink. We had the center ice package. Uh, the guy I worked with had a had a dude, and I'd bet against the Penguins and watch them get their ass kicked. It was great. <laughs> Everybody's cursing Rico Fada and Konstantin Koltsov, and I'm like, keep it up, boys. Let's go. That's funny. So maybe I'll do that again. <laughs> so... For for hockey, it honestly feels like you need to, like you were doing, sort of pick for the loss. Oh, well, that year, yeah. They were that bad. Yeah. I I don't think they'll be that bad again. Can't, um, can't that was sad it. just because, like, they didn't have money to pay people. Yeah, it wasn't like it was a entirely. It wasn't an decision. intentional like. Yeah. Yeah, it's at the end of an era. We're gonna buy it. Oh shit, man! Is the electric bill being paid? <laughs> like it was that bad. So. Yep. Well, that's all I got. Yeah, that might do us. I reckon first one back. Yeah. Yeah. Summer vacation's over. Training camp starting. Um. Appreciate everybody who's downloaded this. I know there was a hiatus there in the summer, but um, we're back. Um, and it's it's just nice to have some tangible things to talk about as opposed to 
trying to manufacture topics, which is why we didn't do the podcast over the summer. I think we both felt like we don't have anything unique to add or say, and so we didn't. Yeah, but, you don't uh, need to. You don't need to hear us bubble and mumble. So. Thanks, everybody, for coming back. Uh, we're excited to kick off. Um, is this the sixth or seventh year? Six. This is episode one, season six. I didn't think I'd be doing this this long, but it's awesome. I didn't think I'd ever be doing it at all. You you coaxed me into it, and uh, here we are. And uh, I think it's been I think it's been a pretty fun ride so far. So um, thank you, and we will uh, catch you next time. Catch you guys.